We're indeed thankful to you that you've blessed us with another day and a day that we can meet here today and worship you and study your word and fellowship. Be with us as we do so. May we we honor you in all these activities of the day. Be with us throughout this day, throughout future life, and we ask these blessings in Christ's name. Amen. In chapter 2 of Ephesians, verses 11 through 22, Paul has just concluded with a discussion on God's grace and salvation to all. Every every person, each individual, both Jew and Gentile, don't really mean much to us today, but at that point in time it meant a great deal. Then in verses 11, Paul ventures off on what we might call a peace mission. And he brings up this discussion of the uh, Jew and Gentile quote issue, if you would. And he turns his attention from each and every Christian there at the church in Ephesus to just those who are Gentile Christians. And what we see in these verses coming up is three parts. One is, is the Gentiles separated from God where they were before God stepped in. Then when he talks about them being reconciled to God, then he talks about them being unified to God. So notice, this, this part of this, of this chapter, you might call it like a parenthetical st- statement, if you would. A long one, but it, it, it is somewhat like that. And we talked about this issue that existed between the Jew and the Gentile at that point in time. It had existed for years and years and years. And Paul felt like it was so important to address this issue for the church's benefit and those Christians there at Ephesus and everywhere else too, that he spent this much time in this particular epistle to explain it to them. So when we get to verse 17, Paul makes this statement. He said, And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. Now, we got to know who he's talking about. And those who are far off are the Gentiles. Because they were a far off, or they were not part of, or they were at, at a distance from God at that point in time, and they were also at a distance from the Jews, who were, of course, God's people at the time. Off and on, of course. So, those who are far off, he's talking about the Gentiles. Then he makes this statement, he said, who are near, and he's talking about the Jews. Those who were in the Jewish nation. Those who were brought up as Jews. 
So we have two distinct groups, Gentiles and the Jews. Well, what was God's purpose? Peace. And peace here, when he refers to peace, what he's talking about is is a relationship between the Jew and the Gentile where they coexist in harmony. They live and mingle and interact together in harmony. And in, in, in particular here, they work in God's kingdom together. That was God's plan. That was Christ's plan. That was the mystery that Paul talked about. The mystery of bringing the Gentiles into being part of God's people. So Paul specifically states here in verse 17 that, one of, that God's objective was is to bring the Jew and the Gentile together. He was preaching peace. That was his message. See, when we go back to verse 14, he refers to him as being our peace. And when he's talking about our peace, he's talking about those Christians at Ephesus. Those who were of the Jewish race and those who are of the Gentile races. Our peace. Notice that he uses this word our no separation between the Jew and the Gentile because he is specifically talking to the whole church at Ephesus when he makes this statement here. And when we go through this thing, you've got to watch and you've got to be careful and notice just who it is that Paul is talking to or referring about, referring to. Then in verse 15, he said he came and he made peace. In other words, he brought salvation to both the Jew and the Gentile. He, he brought an organization in which both of them were part of it and both of them were equal members within that organization. Then in verse 17, as we have here, he preached peace. That's what he taught. That's what he proclaimed when he came is peace, a coexistence between the Jew and the Gentile. Yeah. You ever given any thought to this? The Gentiles were pretty rough group of folks. They had, their lifestyles didn't align itself with God at all. The Jews who God had picked as his people, they'd done gone off like the Gentiles. Their lives didn't align themselves with God at all. After everything that God had done, he didn't do it. And then he sent his son. 
Did you ever think it could have been another another way? Did you ever think that he could have come with a whole lot different attitude than what he did? Could have came to make war on mankind. Could have come to punish mankind for the way that he had lived over these years. But he didn't. He came with a message of peace. And that's what Paul's trying to tell these Gentiles here. Is that when Christ came, he's, his message was peace. His message was his coexistence between you folks and the Jewish nation. So, what do we find now in verse 17? We find now that the Gentiles... through the cross, had been reconciled to the Jews. In other words, the differences between the Jews and the Gentiles have been done away with. That warlike attitude which existed between the Jews and the Gentiles was now one of peace, one of where they could live together work together, and serve together. That had already taken place in the history of mankind. The Jews and Gentiles had been brought together. The differences that they had were now going away. Now, I'm sure that there was there was still a lot of old attitudes that was remaining. All these animosities between the Jews and Gentiles, I'm sure, had not gone because after all they were human beings. But the thing that separated them, which was the Mosaic law, was gone. God's intent now was is, is that they work together, that they be reconciled. That, when Paul wrote this letter, had already been done. The Jew and the Gentile had been brought together. And, you know, the Jews wasn't in favor with God when, when Christ came either. So, in addition to the Jews being reconciled to the Gentiles and the Gentiles being reconciled to the Jews, both nations, both races of people also had to be reconciled to God too. And that's what Christ did when he went to the cross. So now, at the cross, after the cross, peace has been established between the Jew and the Gentile and between God and man. Because now, forgiveness was available. Really hadn't been earlier. 
So where he, where Paul's at now is, is that all Jews, all Gentile Christians live as one and watch the last part of this, in harmony as equals. Never had been that way before. It had never, ever been that way before. But now, both the Jew and the Gentiles were equal. Now remember, he's talking to Gentile Christians specifically. He's letting them know that Christ has done something that has brought peace, harmony, broken down that petition between the Jew and the Gentiles. He's letting them know that that's been done. That that no longer exists. And think about it. They had to know that. They could not go on and coexist in the church thinking they were second class citizens. It wouldn't work. And we're going to see what. We're going to talk some more about that later. Then verse 18, he said, For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. What is it that's different now than what it was during the Mosaic age? Notice the first phrase here that Paul says, For through him. Well, let me ask you something. If someone had told, would, uh, tells you today that there is no longer any animosity, any problems, any divisions, in whatever organization you want to say. Say in the world, in the church, in the business. There's no longer any more problems. Wouldn't you want to know how that happened? Wouldn't you want to know how it happened so you could better understand it, better believe it? Well, that's what Paul's saying here. He says, for through him, which is Christ he's talking about. Through Christ, through his sacrifice on the cross. Then look at the next words. We both. Now, who is... Who is he referring to here? In the whole context, Jew and Gentile. Through Christ, both Jew and the Gentile have access. What does he mean access? He means an open door. In one spirit, the Holy Spirit, one spirit, not one for the Jews, not one for the Gentiles, but both 
have one spirit. Access in one spirit to the Father. God the Father. Look what a dynamic statement Paul has just made here to these Gentiles. I mean, you know, you got to remember for the impact of this, you got to remember that these Gentiles were second class citizens. They were not part of God's people. They did not have the benefits that the Jews had. And now, Paul says, through the cross, both you Gentiles and the Jews have an open door to God the Father through one Spirit. You don't have a lesser spirit than what the Jews have. You don't have a spirit which you go through that has that affords you lesser blessings than what these Jews had. You need to understand, even though you've been raised up believing both spiritually, personally, economically, socially, even though every aspect of your life has been that you are second-class citizens, that's no longer the case. You're on equal footings with the Jews. Which brings him to verse 19. He says, So, because of this, because of what Christ did, because that you now have the same Holy Spirit, you have the same access to God, so then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into one into a holy temple of God in him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God and the spirit and there's the reason and we'll look at that a little bit later so let's look at something here Paul <clears throat> In these verses 19 through 22, there's a word that he's repeated, and the word is one. Look at verse 14. Made both one. Made both the Jew and the Gentile one. One nation, not two, but one. Verse 15. Made it into one new man. Why did he just say new man? Because he was emphasizing the fact that there was only one. There was only one group of people after the cross. One body. Talking about the church. He didn't just say a new body. He said one body. This is the 
thing that Paul's trying to convince these people of. There's just one now. Verse 18. One Spirit. One Holy Spirit. Just one. Paul sounds like a marketer, don't he? Trying to convince somebody that they ought to buy something. So he's saying all of this through these verses. This is the thread that runs through it. Is all spiritual distance and division have been overcome by Christ. Listen, Gentiles. There's only one group of people now. There is no more Jew or Gentile in the church, of course. There was always and still are nationally. But in this new institution that Christ has established, there's only one, one group of people. Again, keep in mind who Paul is talking to here. So then you, the Gentiles, so then you Gentiles are no longer strangers and aliens. Strangers and aliens to what? What are they a stranger? What have they been strangers to? Where, why, what have they been an alien to? What is it that they have not been part of? The household of God. See, the Jewish nation before the cross was the household of God. No Gentiles in it then. But now, the household of God is Christ's church. So Paul is saying, you used to be an alien to God's household or God's people. You used to be a stranger to them. You were not part of them. You were not a native of them. You were an alien. But you are. Look at the tense of that verb there, are. You are, present tense. As I'm writing to you, Paul's saying, you are fellow citizens. Well, what does he mean by fellow citizens? He means you are equal to the Jews. You, all of you Christians at the church in Ephesus, you know, you've all are equal. You, there is no difference between any of you. You're all the same as far as God's concerned. Fellow citizens. Notice how many of these words that Paul's using that conveys the idea to these Gentiles and also to the Jews, by the way, that everybody's alike. Everybody is a fellow citizen. Everybody is a citizen of God's kingdom. There are nobody that is not a fellow citizen. There is nobody that is not equal. 
Where? With the saints and members of the household of God. Well, what is the household of God he's referring to? It's the church. It's Christ's church. It's this new organization that's come about since the cross. You ever heard of emancipation? That's what they were, emancipated. So when he says you, in verse 19 and A, part of A, he's referring to you Gentiles. Now what's the significance of that? Let's look back, if you would, Matthew 21 and 43. Now remember, in Matthew 21 43, when Christ is talking there, this is prior to the church being established. And he makes a statement. He said, therefore I tell you, who is the you here? It's the Jews. See why it is so important to understand who's being spoken to. Therefore I tell you, therefore I tell you, you Jews, the kingdom of God, which is being God's people, will be taken away from you. Kingdom of God is the same as the household of God. Here Jesus is prophesying to these Jews that this relationship that you have with God in which you have exclusive relationship will be taken away from you. It will not exist at some point in time. Well, God, what are you going to do with it? He says, I'm going to take this kingdom, this relationship you have with God, away from you, and I'm going to give it to a people producing its fruits. Who are the people producing its fruits? It's God's chosen people. It's Christ's church. All of which is made up of Jews and Gentiles. So you see in Ephesians, Paul's telling these Gentiles and the Jews too, really. That they're going to be, or are, fellow citizens. They didn't used to be. They used to be aliens. They used to be strangers. But now, they are fellow citizens. And flash back to Matthew. And Paul tells these Jews, hey, Y'all, y'all have been God's people. At the point in time that he made the statement, they still were. 
But at some point in time, they were going to lose that relationship. And it was going to be given to a people producing its fruit. Notice here the the wording that Paul uses. He didn't just say be given to a different people, did he? Or it's going to be given to more people. But what people is it that Paul said would have this fellowship, have this relationship with God, that would be fellow citizens, that would be saints in God's household, and would be members in household? How did Paul describe those people here? Producing its fruits or producing the fruits that God's church is to produce. So what is the prerequisite or what is the foundation What is the requirement for being fellow citizens? Producing fruit. See, the Jews used to be part of it just because they were born into that nation. Just because they were born into God's family. His blessed people. But now... Jesus said at some point in time, which we now know was the cross, at some point in time, my people will be the people who produce my fruit. This special relationship that the Jews had is gone. That special relationship now belongs to those people in his kingdom both Jews and Gentiles. So the Jews and the Gentiles have been unified. Let's look at this just a minute, this unification process that went on. There was, it was unified in several different ways. One was there, a nation was unified. Therefore I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people. Who is a nation? It's a people. So this unification, the Jew and the Gentile were brought together. And here, if we didn't understand who Christ was talking to, we wouldn't have any idea what he was saying, what he was talking about. But when we understand that he's talking to the Jews, then we know, or can at least understand, what he means when he says, a people producing this fruit, it's the church. So a people, a nation was unified. Exodus 19 and 6. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. That was, he was talking to the Jews here now. At that point in time, 
It was given to the Jews of being his holy nation. First Peter 2 and 9. But you, well, who was Peter speaking to? Christians. He wasn't speaking to Jews or Gentiles. He was speaking to Christians. And he made the statement, but you, you Christians, are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. What's happened? What's happened from between Exodus and 1 Peter? The Jews have lost the kingdom. Well, they didn't really, but exclusively, the special relationship between God and the Jews, it's gone. They lost it. They had it, but they've lost it now. It's been given to someone else. It's been given to those who produces fruits, Jews and Gentiles. So when there was two nations, a nation of the Jews and a nation of the Gentiles, now there's only one. One nation. Again, that was taken away from the Jews and given to a people producing fruits, the church. That special relationship, that national relationship, if you would, between God and the Jews is now just one nation. Was a nation of the Jews, nation of the Gentiles. Now there's only one. And that's in the church. Those who produce the fruits of God. Notice this. You know, when you look back at the Old Testament, there's three families that's really mentioned, and that's the families of Shem, Ham, and Japheth, three sons of Noah. Now, and that, that was, you know, that was three different peoples then. Now, look at Acts 8. The descendants of Ham, the Ethiopian treasure. He's now part of this special group of people who's producing the fruit. Acts 9, a descendant of Shem. Saul of Tarsus. Paul. He's now part of that group that produces fruit. Acts 10, the descendants of Japheth, Cornelius, the Gentiles. He's now part of that group. One nation. This church that we now know that was brought that was brought about by the cross has taken every nation in the in the Old Testament and brought it into one, produced producing. One nation now. Nobody is different in this church, in this new establishment, from anybody else. Doesn't matter 
what their nationality is, their background, they all belong to a holy nation. They all belong to the kingdom, to the church. Jesus has unified every race of man. And then Philippians, but our citizenship is in heaven. One citizenship now. One nation, one citizenship. See how much detail Paul is going into here to try to convince these Gentiles, hey, you folks are now part of God's people. One family now. See when he says saints and members of the household of God? That's just one family. Ephesians 3, 14 and 15. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Every family is now one family. No difference. In heaven and in earth. That's just those that are living and those that have passed on. So Paul's message to this point is there's only one. You Gentiles, you are as fortunate as any Jew that ever lived. There's no difference between y'all now. And then in verse 20, which we're going to next time, he's going to tell them how this comes about. He's going to tell them about this group of one that they're now part of. And then the most important verses to us in this whole part is verse 22. And we'll try to look at that next time.